Good morning. For those joining us online, welcome. So good to be able to worship together, gather together around God's Word. We're turning in our Bibles right now to Psalm 124. We're going to be exploring together another one of these songs of ascents. Uh, they're called ascents in the plural because there are many hills that have to be climbed when you're making your way to Jerusalem. And these would have been songs, in fact, that Jesus Christ would have sung with Joseph and Mary as they were making their ways across the hill countries toward Jerusalem for one of the feasts that they would have been participating in. And while you're turning there, well, what we need to do is to be able to find our way, figure out just where this fits into the big scheme of things. And so if you would look at the screen and notice that this psalm is related to a bunch of other psalms, and Psalm 120 through Psalm 134 are such that uh, they allow for us to be able to gain a better perspective on what this entails. And so here you will find that beginning with Psalm 120 on through Psalm 134, their journey would begin as they perhaps making their way from Babylon after 70 years of captivity, onward toward Jerusalem where the, the walls would need to be rebuilt. Or perhaps it's uh, one of the feasts, Passover and the likes, where they're making this trek. They'll end with the blessing of Psalm 134. You'll notice that this is divided in such a way that the name Yahweh which in our English, L-O-R-D, all capitalized, occurs 24 times before the midpoint, and again 24 times after the midpoint. This is a well-balanced, well-structured set of psalms, and you are here on your road trip of life, the journey of life God has placed you on. So I want these sets, this set of psalms to minister to your heart, these psalms are short in length. At the same time, they offer us opportunity to master the truths, apply the truths, and figure out where am I at on this journey where it seems as though everything is so uphill. How do I apply what God has said to where I'm at? Well, you're in Psalm 124, the Song of Ascents, of David. And I want you to notice with me this morning how well this is balanced between now the ifs and the thens of these verses. Verse 1. If it had not been the Lord who is on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was put on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away, the torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth, 
We've escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. Snare's broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. And again, in these eight verses, you will notice the book ending, where it begins with the idea of the Lord, ends with the idea of the Lord. And when you pull all this together in your life's journey, you can see it's all about God from beginning to end. He's bookending your journey for his glory. Let's look to our Lord in prayer. So, Father, what we want to do now is try to figure out, where am I at? How did I get here? Some are wrestling with, why are things the way they are? Looking at the past and pondering how decisions produced consequences. Desperately needing for you to break in on this life journey. Provide perhaps a, a different path to take with them. fewer hills, fewer obstacles. But sometimes, Father, what you do is to, rather than guide us around the hills, it's as if you take us by the hand and walk us through the hills. And you're there when the stamina is waning. So, Father, all of us are on a, a road trip through life journey. And we thank you, Father, for the one who took the long journey, who entered from the heavens above into Bethlehem, and then made his way to the cross to die for our sins. And we praise you and we thank you for this fact. Warm these hearts. Engage these minds. Shape these wills. Once again, we've come here to see Jesus and him only. Pray these things still again now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, once again, as Rabbi Eckstein and Pastor Jamie Buckingham were in a cab making their way through the hills toward Jerusalem, talking seriously about what they're observing and the terrain and the history of the Jews in this region. As the rabbi puts it, they heard a beep, beep, beep. The radio blasted from the front of the cab. This is Koh Israel from Jerusalem, and the time is 8 p.m., and here is the news. Now, Rabbi Eckstein would tell you and tell me that Israelis are obsessed with the news. I remember that a particular cab driver had on the contemporary music from the region and was one song after another about current events as it relates to the cry, the longing for peace. Even in public buses, the hourly news is turned up so that in the realm of Jerusalem, everyone can listen. And Rabbi Eckstein tells us the words everyone dreads to hear came across the speakers. Today, two soldiers were killed in an ambush in southern Lebanon. 
Three others were wounded. Now, Rabbi Eckstein tells us that an eerie quiet gripped the passengers, a solemnity that took Jamie Buckingham by surprise, and Jamie stared silently into the distance. Welcome to a typical day in Israel, I said to him as we made our way into Jerusalem. Now, in Psalm 124, what we find is that the people who are on a pilgrimage and they are making their way through the hill country and they're experiencing one threat after another are finding that this is rough terrain. They might be wearing, they might be tiring, and they're going to have a sense where now as they're entering into the gates of Jerusalem, they're going to be involved in what you and I might describe as a review preview time. They're looking back and they're looking ahead. They're pondering what they've experienced and they're thinking about what they will experience. And if you find yourself in what I will call that tension of a review preview in life, what I think these verses are going to do for you and do for me is to draw out two significant perspectives on how to be able to handle the hills that we face day in and day out. And the first comes out of verses 1 down to verse 5. There's you and I as we consider what I'm going to describe this morning as God's ways in life's journey. I want to begin here by noting with you how the presence of God, the presence of God has been available to us all along the way. Now, as I noted, as we were reading together, we are dealing with, in these verses, an if and a then. If it had been, not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel say now. Well, let's begin to explore what appears on the screen in these verses. Notice that if. If it had not been the Lord, capitalized, Yahweh, the all-present God, very same name that was utilized at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, where God took Moses out of the wilderness experience and sent him on a journey back to Egypt. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us. The word rose has to do with the idea of an ambush, where it seemed as though on life's journey, Somewhere along the way, the unexpected broke in. Not fully prepared for what would come next. But when you deal with the unexpecteds of life, embrace the fact that the sovereign Lord of your life is with you each and every step along the way. Camp on that word if appears not once, it appears twice. Now, as they're making their way into Jerusalem at this point, one of the dangers that they would experience then and what we experience now 
is to be held captive by what I call the ifs of life, where in your review, you look back over prior days, months, years, and are prone to say, if only. If only I had, and then you fill in the blank. Maybe it's, if only I had said this or not said that. If only I had done this or not done that. And we become paralyzed by our past. When you and I get caught up in what I might describe here in our review of life, a series of if only. But there are others who are going to look ahead and they move from what I call the review of life to the preview of the coming days of life. And it's another if, but instead of what if, excuse me, if instead of if only, it is now what if. What if this goes wrong? Or what if God doesn't break in? And what I would say that so often in our, in our life journey is that those that we traffic with, travel with, so easily stop, become paralyzed in their journey because they are suspended, if you will, between the if-onlys of life and the what-ifs of life, and they lose that sense of trajectory as to the way in which God is guiding the way that God is working, the way that God is involved. And you and I need to counter the if-onlys and the what-ifs with the if-not-for-the-Lord through the days of our lives and give him all the praise. Remember the story? Many of you do. In her best-selling book, The Hiding Place, Corey Ten Boom, talking of the tense times in Holland during, during the German invasion, World War II. One particular night, she tossed restlessly in her bed while, while warplanes were growling overhead shattering the blackness with, with fiery artillery. And after a while, she heard her sister, Betsy, downstairs in the kitchen, and because sleep would not come, she writes, went down for a cup of tea, and they talked until the night was still again. The sound of fires died away. Explosions had ripped nearby, but now all was quiet. When, when stumbling through the darkness to her room, Corey Tenboom reached out to pat her pillow before lying down, when suddenly she felt something sharp cutting her hand. It was a jagged piece of metal ten inches long. She cried out for her sister Betsy, raced down the stairs with a shrapnel uh, from one of these planes the shot in her hand. And while Betsy bandaged her hand, she kept saying, on your pillow. Corey responded, Betsy, 
If I hadn't heard you in the kitchen, if I hadn't heard you in the kitchen, and again, if I hadn't heard you in the kitchen, and then her sister held her hand up and replied, don't say it, Corey. There are no ifs in God's world. The center of his will is our safety. Later, through the trying times in a Nazi prison camp, Corey Ten Boom was to learn over and over again this marvelous truth. God's will is our hiding place. And for some of us this morning, maybe you're watching online right now, you have found yourself over the course of these days paralyzed by the ifs. You've looked back, and it's the if only. You look ahead, and it's the what if. But what these verses are telling us is that when you walk with the Lord, the Lord is by your side and the center of his will. Even no matter where you are on life's journey, the center of his will is your safety. If it had not been the Lord who is on our side, insert the our Lord into the ifs of life. Let Israel now say, but then for reiteration, because they've got to get this clear in their hearts again, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up again, the idea, the word picture here is that of an ambush. But what I want to do at this moment is we collect verses 1 and 2 and fit them all together is that when you are looking at the phraseology here, this is past tense, had been on our side. It comes from the same Hebrew root word as Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what we're now saying is that when you take this road trip of life, embrace the reality of Emmanuel, God with us, no matter where the trajectory takes you. And so here you have it now, and again you think of what Paul would write in Romans 8 to verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? And now you begin to pull the pieces together, and you realize that this is someone who travels at your side. Those of you that are of Dutch descent, you know a bit of the history of the Netherlands, and there is this figure in history. His name was William of Orange, and he led the Hollanders against Spain and their religious forces of Rome. 
It was right after the time in which the Reformation of Luther in 1517 had taken place. This was now the uh, mid-1500s. And all seemed lost, all seemed dark. But then there was this pastor of the Dutch who broke rank, turned and stood in front of the troops. And he said, gentlemen, all looks dark. But God is on our side. And how much in light of that do you count upon him? And then they re-entered the battle. And it could be that the metaphor of your life right now is a battle on your journey. And what you need to do is to press Emmanuel and the truth that is wrapped up in that name pertaining to Jesus into this journey of life in your song of ascent and realize that the battle belongs to the Lord. Now, once you and I have embraced that and you've taken the two ifs of verse 1 and verse 2, then you're going to have to link them, if you will, to the three thens found in verse 3, 4, and 5. And I don't want you to miss at this point the extraordinary imagery that begins to unfold here in these verses. Because we find initially the imagery of what we'll call the deepening flood of verse 3. Then they would have swallowed us up alive, but you raise your hand and say, but they didn't. Why? Because the Lord was on our side. But then they would have swallowed us up, those that are emotionally held hostage, if you will, by the, by the past and the if-onlys and the regrets of life when their anger was kindled against us at this point. It's interesting. So when you are studying the Bible, what you want to do is to look at the usage of imagery and the wide range of metaphors that are found in the verses. And one of the metaphors in the Bible, and the Psalms in particular, is the metaphor of the storm. Some of you might remember the writings of Longfellow. Into each life some rain must fall, but it seems like this is more than rain falling. This is a flood descending. And Job would say in Job 9 verse 17, he would crush me with a storm. You can sense the weariness in his life. We know that insurance policies are taken out with regard to acts of God over which we have no control. When all of a sudden these sudden storms of life on life's journey are such when people have little time to make preparation, the image of the storm teaches us that God is, is sovereign. Jonah understood that. You hurled me into the deep, Jonah said to the Lord. 
into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me, and all your waves and breakers swept over me. But then again, we're reminded in the Psalms that uh, there are storms that God sends for our good. We went through fire and water, wrote the psalmist, but you brought us to a place of abundance. And what you and I need to remind ourselves of is that our sovereign Lord is in control of the storms. Lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, according to Psalm 148, verse 8. But as my former pastor, Warren Wearsby, would put it, he knows when we go into the storm. He watches over us in the storm. He can bring us up out of the storm when his purposes have been fulfilled. And at the right time, our Lord can say to the storm, Be still. And make the waves cease and calm. Meanwhile, he promises, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. According to Isaiah 43, verse 1 and 2. For you and I, for you see, God doesn't promise to keep us out of the storms but he does promise to sustain us in the storms. And then our Lord brings us out of the storm. In due time, for his glory, when the storm has, when the storm has done its work, for even the disciples would learn that Jesus could sleep on a boat in the midst of the storm, calm the storms at his will, but he did not take them away from the storms. He guided them through the storms. And that's the imagery here that you and I are finding in verse 3. Then they would have swallowed us up alive, you can almost sense their, their review at this point, the if-onlys. When their anger was, killed, was kindled against us, is he talking about in history of time past, the Assyrians of 722, as they took the ten northern tribes into far reaches of that empire? Or the Babylonians of 586 B.C., taking the remaining tribes away into captivity. So you're looking back now at the, at the if-onlys, but what you need is to reintroduce the Lord into your if-onlys. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was put on our side when people rose up against us. And then you have this series of thens. Then in verse 3, then again in verse 4, then the flood would have swept us away and the torrent would have gone over us. And maybe some of us at this point, it's almost as if we're, we're reliving that experience, importing the past into the present. 
and you find yourself paralyzed once again by the ifs without reintroducing the Lord into the if of your life experience, then over us would have gone the raging the raging winds, but then my waters, but then my mind goes back to a, another account from uh, from World War II where Captain Johnson was serving as, as a leader on a particular mission in the South Pacific. And we're told in his writings that he prepared to go on a bombing raid on enemy-occupied islands several hundred miles away. Well, the mission was a complete success, he writes, but the homeward course, the journey, the plane began to lose altitude, the engines failed, safe landing was made on a strange island, and it was learned later that the enemy was just one half mile in each direction, yet the landing evidently had gone undetected. What to do? Well, the staff sergeant came to Captain Johnson and said, Sir, you've been telling us for months of the need to pray and believe that God answers prayer in the times of storms and that he does it right away. Well, we're out of gas. Based several hundred miles away, surrounded by enemy, so what to do? You and I are told Johnson began to pray. He began to lay hold of the promises of God and believe that God could work and bring a sense of his presence to the troops there on the island. Night came. He continued in intense prayer. Now the rest of the story. About 2 a.m., the sergeant awakened and felt compelled to walk to the the water's edge, Captain Johnson writes, and discovered a metal float which had drifted up on the beach in octane gas, and in a few hours the crew reached their home base safely. An investigation was conducted, and it was revealed that the skipper of a U.S. tanker, finding his ship in sub-infested waters, had his gasoline cargo removed so as to minimize the danger in case of a torpedo hit. Barrels were placed on barges and put adrift 600 miles away from where Johnson and the plane crew were forced down. Get this. God navigated one of those barges six hundred miles through the wind and current and beached it 50 steps from the stranded men. The if-thens of life. If it had not been the Lord who is on our side, let Israel now say, as you look back, and furthermore, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up, ambushed us, against us. But don't let yourself be paralyzed by the past. The if-onlys of life. Don't let them shape the what-ifs. 
to come. Why, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. And you can almost feel the emotions of this multi-generational grouping of people that have made their way into Jerusalem. But then there was a Wesley who saw the extraordinary opposition that William Wilberforce was encountering in, in England and his efforts to end slavery, uh, wrote him a letter and said, quote, Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But William... If, I say it again, if God be for you, who can be against you? William, do not be weary of well-doing. You need someone who's gone through the storms of life to say to those who are in the storm of life, this journey of life, God does not take a detour around the storms. Like Jesus Christ heading to the cross, he takes us through the storm and at the appropriate time guides us to the other side. And as we consider God's ways on life's journey, you and I, the first perspective in this review preview of life, you note how the presence of God has been available to us. So don't get caught up in being paralyzed by the past. The if-onlys. And don't be paralyzed by the matters of the future the what-ifs. Stay centered upon the Lord. And this is what Corey Ten Boom had to learn in her experience on her journey. And when you have grasped this perspective, then you're ready to embrace the other one. The first one, the presence of God has been available to us in 1 through 5. The second one, the protection of God has been experienced by us in verses 6, 7, and 8. The imagery shifts because now we are informed, blessed be the Lord, and again now Yahweh, very same title that was used to describe our sovereign God to Moses at the burning bush, used again now here, who has not given us as prey to the teeth. And maybe they were thinking about the dangers in the hill country and being ambushed and all that was involved. Their lives were in jeopardy, so they would think, Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. What captures my attention in the Hebrew is that This word prey is often tied to um, a vicious attack by um, by lions. 
And there are 12 different words in the Hebrew for lions. Evidently, this was an issue in their, in their life journey. Blessed, verse 7, we have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. And then, praise be to God, it's as if you could hear them saying to themselves in this perspective and tied to their retrospective, we're here. And it's been all about God's grace, God's presence in our lives. So what do you do with that? What I want you to notice is how the psalmist again brilliantly bookends, ties together the opening verse with the ending verse. He began with the Lord. He ends with the Lord. Our help is where? In the name of the Lord. And what is the name of the Lord? Yahweh, the self-sufficient one, the eternal one, the all-present one, and then introduces this extraordinary fact who made heaven and earth, and now you're saying if he could make the heavens, he can handle this. And then you move from the vertical dimension of the heavens to the horizontal dimensions of earth, and if he could create this, he can handle this. And now as you bring your life before God on your journey, you bring together the ifs, the what ifs, and the if onlys, and you refuse to be paralyzed because it's the Lord who set you free, you tie it all together. And then when you hear a rabbi noting in the cab of the beep, beep, beep sounds on the way to the Jerusalem experience of life, where the speakers informed that today two soldiers were killed in an ambush, three others were wounded, and an eerie quiet grips the passengers, a solemnity that takes even the Jamie Buckinghams of this world by surprise. You and I are told, welcome to a day in Israel. But I would add, welcome to a day in the journey of our life. But then you and I are reminded of this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope, and a future, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Let's stand together. Father, it's uphill. That's why we call these songs of ascents in the plural, because there's many hills but there's many songs to be sung when we climb these hills. Now, what I want to do, Father, is to pray for that person who's paralyzed. They're stuck. 
rehearsing and repeating the if-onlys. It's more than a review at this point. At this point, what they need is something that will relieve them from the review. And for those caught up in the preview, the what-ifs, and find themselves suspended with the ifs of life, I pray that they will replace that if now with the Lord and not allow the ifs of life to have lordship over their lives, but allow Jesus Christ, the risen one, to reign. And when we do this, the journey becomes clearer, the perspective is gained, and we now realize that we are walking with Emmanuel, God with us, for which we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.